Hello and welcome to the latest DAC Beechcroft's Lawcast. My name is Rod Richards, Head of Business Development for the Claim Solutions Group of DAC Beechcroft. In this episode, Chris Baranowski, a partner in the regulatory safety, health and environment team, is joined by Ian Manners, Head of our Environmental Regulatory Team, to discuss more of the key topics highlighted at this year's regulatory conference, including vehicle operator licenses and environmental waste regulation. Hello and welcome to DAC Beechcroft's Lawcast. My name is Chris Baranowski and I am a partner in our national regulatory team. In this podcast, we continue to focus on some of the key topics covered in our recent annual regulatory conference. Today, I'm joined again by Ian Manners, who is a partner in our regulatory team based in Bristol. Ian is head of our environmental regulatory services team and also leads on our regulatory road transport offering. Ian, you delivered an excellent session on a vehicle operator licensing. I just wonder if you could perhaps summarise some of the key risks to operators, as you explained at the conference. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Um, well, what I would say is really the, the, the risk arises because this is certainly a less well understood area compared with organisations' awareness of, for example, some of their core health and safety responsibilities. And so I suppose it is in that um, lack of knowledge that the risk exists and, and, and understanding operators' duties, but also the potential outcomes uh, that, that an operator could face if they are subject to a public inquiry. Uh, And so to explain, any organisation which uses a HGV or a PSV, that's a passenger services vehicle, needs an operator's licence. And different licence types exist for the type of use, and some organisations need transport managers as well. Licence holders and, and, and regulated individuals, and that includes professional drivers, must all comply with their responsibilities under the Goods Vehicles Licensing of Operators Act um, or the Public Passenger Vehicles Act. And within that area, traffic commissioners oversee the licensing system and operators can be hauled in front of the traffic commissioner for a range of issues. And this could be safety inspection failings, uh, poor vehicle maintenance, overloading of vehicles and tachograph offences. But what can start off as an isolated issue can quickly turn into an inquiry into the whole of the organisation's operation, looking at whether they continue to have safe systems, the necessary repute and financial standing to to continue as an operator. And what we mentioned at conference is that traffic commissioners aren't afraid to use their powers to the fullest extent. And based on the latest data, licence revocations actually accounted for over 34% of regulatory sanctions. So in over a third of cases, the operator lost its license. And clearly such a sanction would likely be catastrophic for many businesses as their use of vehicles is going to be central to their operations. Yeah, it certainly sounds like very serious implications potentially for them. And, And what do you think are going to be some of the main issues in the future for vehicle operators? Well, I think there's two aspects to this. 
we're going to see much less tolerance where common failings come before the commissioners and where there's already a wealth of guidance and awareness of the issue. The two examples we gave at conference were bridge strikes and brake testing failings. And the former, because it's just happening way too much, about five a day on average, and it's suggestive of an operator's general lack of planning and management. And the latter, because we've seen many cases, uh, high profile and tragic cases where poor brake maintenance has been an issue, and that's resulted in some catastrophic outcomes, unfortunately. And so operators can expect the most severe sanctions, in my view, for these sorts of failings. And the second um, aspect is probably a, a more formalised process for public inquiries. The introduction of tribunal rules is likely to lead to longer, more in-depth hearings and could herald the introduction of a new system for cost sanctions. So operators need to expect forensic scrutiny of paperwork, including the need for detailed evidence of financial standing. The stats I mentioned a moment ago speak for themselves as to the pitfalls and risks to operators. And so the importance of being legally represented by specialist regulatory lawyers to protect the interests of an operator's business really cannot be emphasised enough. Thank you, Ian. And moving on to another of your specialist areas, uh, waste management, you and Neil Scott provided some really interesting views on, on the duties for waste management and some of the key pitfalls as well as sentencing. Could you provide us with a quick summary of some of the main issues that came out of that session at the regulatory conference? Yeah, we certainly can. I mean, the main thrust of our environmental session was highlighting that compared to health and safety legislation, just how fluid, in fact, the world of environmental regulation could be beyond 2020 and after the end of the Brexit transition period. And taking waste regulation as an example, this, which really underpins, in fact, everything we do in this sector, Neil Scott, who's a consultant in my team, looked at what is and isn't waste. And if it is waste, then is it regulated? And can it cease to be waste? Against that, or the background, is that the UK produces over 200 million tonnes of waste a year, and um, and this creates an industry in itself, which is worth some 6.8 billion to the UK economy. But there exist problems. Waste crime is a, a real issue, which regulators are tackling, but only chipping away at, really. But also the issue of what to do with that waste, where people don't comply, the penalties are severe. And these are strict liability offences. We talked about the increased use of enforcement undertakings and their use is set to continue. But, but even so, whilst they are a regulatory outcome which avoids a criminal conviction, they require a financial contribution to put right the offending and, and, and they often run into six figures. We looked um, also beyond 2020 and pondered how we might diverge from Europe in our future regulation of this area, but also how the courts might depart from European legal interpretation. As, as this is a devolved area of regulation, we might also see um, divergence between the approach taken by countries of the UK. And I think that's really, really important because where organisations operate across borders, they are going to need specialist knowledge and advice in relation to the requirements in this highly regulated area. Thanks, Ian. You also talked about 
some of the plans introduced by the UK government recently and plans to develop a circular economy. I was just wondering if you could summarise that for us today. Yeah, of course, Chris. Um, Well, this government and the last have been relatively proactive on environmental planning, actually. And we have seen various plans produced in the last few years, the latest of which was the Environment Agency five-year action plan. But before that, the government's 25-year plan for the environment was published in 2018, and that plan's key aims cover waste reduction, and in particular, the phasing out of avoidable plastic waste, new targets for recycling, the targeting of waste crime, which in fact the Environment Agency is also seriously targeting with year-on-year published reduction targets, and also associated aims related to the reduction and prevention of marine pollution. And then following on from the government's plans in December 2018, DEFRA published its strategy for tackling waste. And in that plan, we see the introduction of a key phrase, which is likely to be much used moving forwards. And the phrase which I'm talking about is that of the circular economy. And what is the circular economy? Well, it's the name given to the concept of keeping as much of our resources within circulation as possible. And so as little as possible is ejected from the cycle as waste and is then required to be reprocessed, disposed of or exported and thus leaving the economy. And so what is required to actually achieve this circular economy? Well, some of the main headlines are these. We've all heard of reduce, reuse and recycle, and we will no doubt see efforts to double down on that. But certainly with industry playing a much bigger role to develop new technologies and and adopt new practices to keep resources in use and for longer. And aligned to that will be to significantly reduce our reliance on single-use plastics. The single-use plastics directive was adopted by the EU in May 2019 and is therefore clearly uh, directly applicable to the UK, but it will be interesting to monitor how the UK government will continue to take this forwards. And finally, it's acknowledged that significant further efforts are required to tackle the problem of packaging waste and the Environment Agency have targeted taking regulatory action in relation to waste offences relating to the recycling of packaging against a number of well-known organisations this year. Ian, thank you for your time and that very detailed analysis of the key issues in those areas. I hope you have all found this episode useful And we hope you will join us for our next podcast, which is scheduled for February. If there are any areas you would like us to cover in future podcasts, do let us know. If you'd like to be added to our mailing list, let us know by sending an email to she, that's S-H-E, at dacbeechcroft.com. Thank you very much for listening.